What's up, Llama listeners? Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I got to tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion rubs. I absolutely put them on everything, and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com and Blazing Star Barbecue on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Llama Lounge, where we discuss all things life, learning, and leadership. I am your boy, Frankie Z, and today I am joined by my fellow Llama brother, Joey B. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well, bro. How you been? I've been good, man. Just trying to trying to live it up in Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, transition is gone. I know we were talking before this how how uh, you know running an errand in San Antonio traffic is like 45 minutes at, at the very least. So it's a it's a bit, but you know, I enjoy the one day Amazon thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something you can't <laughs> get in Korea, bro. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I was actually shocked. I ordered something and it got to me about in about a week, and I was like. That can't be that. You know what I mean? I went in and I was like, oh, yeah. wow. And then and then I got like two other things that haven't got to me yet. And it's been a month and a half. And then the website tells me it may be lost. You can get a refund now. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, man, I want my thing, though. You know, but- <laughs> dude, you practice a lot of patience working, working with the USPS. You, you do. You do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking before, like, about how we take some things for granted. I think overall, too, like you're talking about going over to HEB and it's a 45 minute ordeal just to pick up one thing. I think mm-hmm. like a lot of times too, uh, I was talking to my buddy and he was telling me he's in the civilian sector and he's like, yeah, I commute to work about an hour each way. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, man, that's just like, that's just not even in my wheelhouse. I just can't even fathom that. When I was at Spangdalem, I think I commuted about 25 minutes. That was long enough. You know, we're used to being like right there. Yeah. You know, I'm, this is my first time living off base. You know, I've been mm. in the military 22, 23 years. And like, I've lived on base for the majority of that time. Wow. So everything in that little ecosystem is yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm having to think about a gym membership. I'm like, cause you know, the gym is 30 minutes away on base. So man, I'm just like gold gym. What is that? How much, how much does a gym membership cost? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well they've gone up since the last time. I don't know, man. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah. it's a discount. It's only $50 a month. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty These are cool. all first world problems though. They yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm ready to jump right into it, Joe. What about you, man? Yeah, definitely, man. I think um, we were going to get on here and talk about some stuff. So we had a couple different topics going on, but then something yeah. big happened this past week. And I yeah. think it was good that we did a little audible. Yeah, sure. So um, just to get the rest of the listeners in. So, you know, you probably already know that um, General Colin Powell passed away in the recent weeks. You know, in recent, we've had, I've had a lot of conversations about his leadership qualities. Um, We've seen some of his achievements remembered in the news. And I felt like it would be such an honor to be able to dedicate today's episode to General Colin Powell. For those not familiar, General Colin Powell was arguably one of the nation's most impactful leaders. He was one of the chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was the National Security Advisor, and he was our 65th Secretary of State. Uh, even most like notable was that he was the first Black American to even serve in those positions. So that is uh, probably a conversation and a show in itself. But I'll, and I'll tell you what, you know, when I think about servant leadership, General Colin Powell is 
certainly one of the leaders that come to mind. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, for real. I, I definitely think so too. And I just remember growing up watching him in those different roles and not only just, it just exudes that servant leadership from what I could see, but just also such a statesman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. represented in such a way, uh, it would be hard pressed for me to feel like he would just lose, lose his cool over something. You know, he had a temperament, like he mm-hmm. just, he, he looked cool under pressure. And it was just some of those qualities that those intangibles that to me, um, I wanted to, you know, also replicate in my leadership style to make sure, because I think it uh, kind of, when you're when your leaders losing their cool over every little thing, it's really hard to want to follow them, right? So, um, I just found a lot of value in the way he carried himself, you know. So, I, I, yeah, servant leader, composed yeah. leader, uh, effective leader. Yeah, you know, you brought up a, a good point because this is the guy that we saw growing up. Like, mm-hmm. this is the guy that we saw in in a uniform, right? In battle dress mm-hmm. greens, you know, on the news, giving a report on whatever, whatever, um, you know, significant event was happening in the government or for the military at that time. So, and I always saw this calm, cool, collective demeanor. And uh, that's kind of what I remember, you know, just seeing him in his uniform and even at a uniform when he was, when he was doing his civic duty. So I thought this dude is definitely something, something of a role model for us. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, his calm, cool and collective demeanor and how even killed he was. And that's a great segue to what we're going to be talking about. And so in today's show, I wanted to kind of touch on General Powell's leadership philosophies and expand on his 13 rules of leadership. Um, Now, he's got a few books out. And so if you Google 13 rules of leadership, you'll you'll see General Powell come up. And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for us to maybe expand on some of those. Um, and we'll just jump right into them and kind of see what our, our perspectives are on what, um, what Secretary Powell, what General Powell was, was talking about. Um, so the first one, it ain't as bad as you think. It will look better in the morning. So what comes to mind when you think about, when you think about that, John? Man. I don't know how many times that I probably uh, thought, man, this is the worst thing ever, <laughs> you know, whether that was in personal life or professional life, you know, thinking about <clears throat> like whatever this circumstance you're in right now. And especially when I was younger, less mature, I'm like, man, you know, th- this is this is something that is insurmountable, right? Like you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to overcome it. But um, I think that that's just great advice. And it might not apply to every single thing because some things might not look better in the morning, to be honest with you, right? It might not. But um, I think that the, the, it's the, what the intent is, you know, being optimistic, being confident and, and also um, letting something cook for a little bit. Sometimes you got to let something cook for a little bit and you realize sometimes you got to calm down, let that thing play out and you can look at it again later and probably with a cooler mind and be able to address the situation. I actually had a, um, one of my subordinates come to me and brought me like this, this massive problem. And it was just crazy. And he was going in like yeah. 17 different directions. And I'm like, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, this is, that's crazy. That, that's a lot of stuff going on. But then we actually took the time to write it in a linear fashion. I was like, yo, this isn't that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, this is not bad. So I, I think that's really good advice, you know, uh, and, and it's a good philosophy to hold as a leader to, to keep, keep that optimism. Yeah, I feel like also it's it's very relevant in today's mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I tell you what, man, watching the news is almost like the most depressing thing in the world. I think I might just go ahead and stop watching it. I think I'm just going to watch ESPN and that's it. And then I'll just <laughs> select my other news. But at the end of the day, man, it's not that bad. You know, it really isn't. Whatever the situation is, and I, and I, and I understand that people are going through some stuff right now. And every situation is different, but I think if we if we had some perspective on that, we would probably understand that. You know what what the general is saying here. I think it's really really relevant to you know COVID. Eventually, we're gonna we're gonna eventually get over this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're gonna be able to get past it. Um, you know, we don't have to like think the world the world is gonna fall apart and the sky is falling when it's just. You know, we got to keep it even kill when we think about these types of things. So, 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it it kind of even segues into another thought of just saying, you don't want to make any big decisions while you're being super emotional about it, you know, like, mm. like, yeah. Let, yeah, like maybe you do need to sleep on it or think about it later. Or for me, I like to go on a, a long run or do something, you know, to something physical. Cause then a lot yeah. of times, whatever that thing that seems so big, it's not as big after that. Yeah. And I guess is uh, look like a little tangent here, but do you ever get like these epiphanies when you run? Yeah. Yeah. You All said the you, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, d- definitely. And then, you know, it, it irritates me because like, I don't have a notepad to write them down. So I'm like, I hope I remember this by the time uh, I'm done trying to text myself yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You said, yeah. You, I remember one time you said something about you get those when you're brushing your teeth, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause you're not doing much else. You're just thinking about something. Right? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to multitask when you're brushing your teeth. I, yeah. And I, I, I challenge you to do so. You might get a little toothpaste on your clothes. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we're going to roll right on to the next one here. Get mad, then get over it. Mm. All right. So I'll start for this. Yeah. One. All right. Um, one, this is speaking to me, right? Uh, uh-huh. as, as someone, <laughs> as someone who's good at holding grudges, you know what I mean? I can hold a grudge. Uh, but in my older and wiser years, which I hopefully, hopefully think I'm, I'm in, um, <laughs> You know, you start to understand uh, that being mad takes a lot of energy. It really does. And being mad, also, you're not you're not thinking straight. You don't make good. You're not a good decision maker when you're mad. So, and and when we're talking about leadership, nobody wants to work for somebody that gets mad over something that just doesn't go their way. And and I think that's what General Powell was talking about here is. Nobody wants to work for a ping pong ball. You know what I mean? So it's okay to be emotional. Right? I think that's important to note. It's, it's okay to get emotional. It's okay to get mad. But you got to figure out how to take a few steps back, put things in perspective, right? And I think perspective is probably going to be the theme of this thing. So when you're in that leadership capacity, um, you're able to keep the trust of, of your subordinates and your followers and your teammates and you're just a better person when you're not emotional and you're not mad. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really kind of, um, this one kind of, to me, screams stoicism, mm. you know, and, and um, in a main principles, a lot of people think of stoics, capital S as just people who are not even acknowledging their emotions. They're just completely going full Spock, you know, Vulcan mode on people, Mm -hmm. but really it's, they say, no, you need to acknowledge it. So he's saying, get mad, but then get over it. You know what I mean? Don't sit there too long, you know, because there's no value there. So um, one of the common stoic saying is to bear and forbear the the actual, the motto is sustene et abstene, you know, bear and forbear. And it's to accept and endure external hardships and to abstain oneself from doing instinctive and emotional things in reaction. Right. So I think that sometimes we forget that we can become emotional, but you got to let it go. So give yourself permission to allow yourself to feel that emotion. But if it's not serving you to stay there, let it go. You know what I mean? Like move on. Don't try to suppress it. And I think that's a good piece of advice that General Powell's, you know, putting out there. I think his quote was like, I worked very hard over the years to make sure that when I get mad, I get over it quickly and never lose control of myself. You know, and that, that's some great advice for a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever lost it in front of your folks? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> and there's been times where, you know, people ask me, it was like, is there anything that you would change? And I'm like, not really. Cause I think they all helped me become where I am. But I think that there are small things like that, that if I could go back, I would redo, you know, and yeah. maybe, um, maybe undressing someone in front of everybody, you know, a, a, a subordinate that was, probably deserving, <laughs> but maybe I just lost my cool a little bit too much, you know, and uh, it was also in front of other people because what they were doing was constantly, constantly, it was just an over and over repetitive thing, but um, still no excuse. You know, I could have dealt with that a little bit better. So it's happened. This happened. I'd like to say that I'm better at it. Just like you said, with maturity at um, knowing. And then there's times where I've, I've deliberately, you know, <laughs> showed some emotion because I knew that was the only thing that was going to get through with somebody, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. I think every once in a while, you got to throw the F-bomb. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. You got everyone's every once in a while, you'd be deliberate about when you throw the F-bomb. Mm-hmm. But if you're always throwing the F-bomb, right. Yeah. If you're always getting mad, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, this dude's just mad again. 
Yeah. You know, it loses its impact. And, and in fact, it's not, it's not effective leadership at all. Yeah. It's just noise yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other side of that, we talk about, you know, losing, losing your, your, um, your teammates trust is once you step across that line mm-hmm. and you've already went off on everybody, you flip the desk over, everyone's like, Oh, wow. This guy's, mm-hmm. this guy or girl is showing their true colors here for a moment. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to come back from. It takes yeah. a long time to come back from. So yeah. uh, sage advice there. All right. Number three, this is ego, right? Mm-hmm. Avoid having your ego so close to your position that when your position fails, your ego goes with it. Hmm. All right. Yeah. The one point says one of Powell's tricks for combating ego, encouraging his commanders and staff to argue with him. Yeah. So I, I think it's real important, you know, and I think that um, I talked about this in the past as well. Like, I think we talk about ego overall. Um, a lot of times I've seen leaders get attached to their position and that position feeds into their ego. And then, you know, and, and, it, and it's like a circle. And um, I've seen people, whether they were um, generals, colonels, chief mass sergeants, you know, they're, they're, they're getting close to that retirement time. They're actually going to have to take the uniform off. And they've tied who they are as a person oh, to, yeah. their, to their position uh, so much that, man, they start having anxiety attacks, you know, because they know they don't have that anymore. And, you know, and a lot of that has to do with ego. Right. And so me, I've been trying to I think this is great advice because I've been trying to let go of my I got 10 years left to hire tenure. I'm already actively trying to let go and realize that it's part of who I am, but it's not who I am. Right. And, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's good, you know, and like, I love what he talks about. It's like encouraging his commanders to have to argue with them, you know, I mean, do it tactfully, but yeah, bring up a different point. So, yeah, I think, I think if we take, uh, you know, if you're going to take, if you're a leader and you're going to take any page out of this book and apply it to your own life, this has got to be one of the top ones, right? If you're the head honcho and everybody at the table is agreeing with you, yeah. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. something's wrong, right? You, you have to be able to break that up and uh, it, it, either one or two ways, either encourage that, that conflict, encourage the, the, the back and forth or get rid of your team and get a new, get a new team. Mm-hmm. And then the ego part of it, man, there's, there's countless, we, we should probably have like some, somebody <laughs> from IG on here to talk mm-hmm. about how ego has gotten a leader into trouble. Um, where how, if you dare to disagree with them, that's going to cause them to undress you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that ego piece too, though, if you're like, like your, your example with the team, if they're all agreeing with you, you you really got to look at it and be like, why are they always agreeing with me? You know, is it something that I'm doing? Have I created an environment where they feel psychologically safe enough to, you know, disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. if I have not, and I continue to not, I could get a whole new team. I'm just going to mess them up too. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's going to be me. I'm the common denominator here. That's a good point. <laughs> you fired, you fired your whole team, and like, it's not your team. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Humility is important. Humility is definitely yeah. important. <laughs> It's uh, I'm gonna fire my team because uh, they couldn't do the job. Yeah, yeah, they all suck. It's not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good catch. Good catch there. But yeah, you know, I think I've I've experienced this. You know, even as I progressed through my ranks, and and I was like, oh, I'm a staff sergeant now. You know, and, and so like you get, you, there's a little bit of ego in there. Like I'm an NCO, I'm a sergeant now. And then your friends quickly remind you, like, hey, dude. Just relax. You just put one stripe on, like, yeah. Yeah. like a little slight change in your personality. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I I say that joking, but like, it's kind of cool to have your a circle of friends around you who can always keep you in check. You know, yeah. and it's, it's hard to keep your own ego in check. But if you have good accountability partners around you, mm-hmm. you can always. I can always guarantee. Uh, on my llama team to like, you know, check my ego for me. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the fourth one. I like this one. Mm -hmm. It can be done. And so when he's talking about this one, right. I I think, you know, 
the first thing I came to mind was, okay, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Right. And mm-hmm. I always tell my kids that and they always roll their eyes because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cliche. It's, yeah. it's definitely a cliche. Yeah. And I'm just kind of messing with them because, you know, we might be talking about a chore or something like, you know, you can just mm-hmm. put your mind to it. You can take that trash out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what he's talking about is the skeptics, mm-hmm. right? He's talking about the skeptics and, and what he's saying in, in one of the articles that I was reading was that you should listen to what the skeptics have to say, mm-hmm. but stay focused and positive on your goal. And sometimes their concerns, right? The skeptics can help you address some of your blind spots, Man, I think that's that's money. That is yeah. a just straight nugget there. Yeah, yeah. Do you? I think when you we were both at Travis at AMC. Um, General McDo was our AMC commander at some point uh, while we were there, and I just remember something that he said um, that still resonates with me to this day. He said, "I don't want to hear people telling me we can't." You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we can pretty much do anything. Now we might not want to do it. Like the ramifications of doing it might not be good, but it should be not, we can't, it should be, we can, but <laughs> you know what I mean? We can do that, but you're probably yeah. going to end up in an orange jumpsuit. So maybe we shouldn't do that. Right. But, but yeah. when you just change your paradigm that way is like, I tell my engineers, there's almost nothing we can't do we probably shouldn't do a lot of things, but there's almost nothing we can't do, you know? And if we think about what can you do, what can we do to get here? You know, you start opening yourself up to more innovative processes and and finding solutions to get to where you need to go. You know, there are a lot of things that we should not do just because we can, but there's, there's not much we can't do as a team, you know? Yeah. You know, when I, when I think about this one, what resonates with me is, is individual things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. Like how many times have it have someone has someone told you, Hey, uh, that's not going to work out. Don't do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, if you, if you quit this and you go do that, then it's just not going to work out for you. And, and right. how many, how many stories have we seen that, you know, that have been in the news where someone's trying to prove their coach wrong or their teacher mm-hmm. wrong because their teacher told them, Hey, you're going to be a bum when you grow up. Right. Um, you know, I've had a few of those in my career, in my life, you know, and yeah. it, I don't set out my goals to, to prove them wrong, but um, I definitely use it as, as fuel mm-hmm. to keep me going. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think um, something that I try to keep in mind whenever people try to tell me I can't do something is that they're oftentimes projecting their own inability to do something onto me. You know, Mm -hmm. they're feeling that. But um, the other thing is we ourselves, man, our bad roommate in our head will oftentimes talk us out of doing things that, you know, finding we can rationalize not being able to do something or not moving forward. And something is even physical. Like I used to be able to tell myself, there's no way I could run a marathon. You know, I mean, there's no way I can do these things, you know, and that's something we got to get over, too, because we are self-limiting beliefs, man. They're, They're wicked. They yeah. could put a lot of caps on us and, and, you know, we want to stay in our comfort zone naturally as, as humans. And we got to figure out how to get away from that. So there, there's a lot of different places we could sit here and talk about this specific one along a, a whole episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're in a, you're in a bad situation. If one, you're, you're, you're your own work cynic, plus you're sitting around some haters that yeah. you know aren't, aren't supporting your cause. And you're like, well, that that's, that is, that can be insurmountable right? Uh, and, and a tough, tough position to, to overcome. So, but, you know, General Powell says it can be done, man. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we've all experienced things in our lives, you know, or achievements in, in our lives, whether that's a degree, whether that's, you know, having a family um, where you, that's what you wanted. And, and I remember specifically when I think about things, I, it can be done. Uh, promotion in the Air Force is, is very difficult mm-hmm. and it's very, very competitive. And, uh, you know, the only thing that's going to get you to the finish line mm-hmm. is commitment, hard work, yeah. some dedication and a little bit of sacrifice or maybe a lot of sacrifice. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this this can be done. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you what, Joe, one, one, one of the years you were an inspiration to me. 
uh, where I think you made like a 91 or something to, to make chief. Yeah. And that, that was what you needed to make chief. And then I was like, well, dang, smarter than Joe. I can make a, I can make a 95. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. But, but, uh, the 95 didn't happen, but I got promoted. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Did you you know that story? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, we're probably talking about senior. I think we're talking about senior. Oh, maybe senior. Yeah. Cause we were both in special duties and I was, uh, I was the only one picked up in my career field that, and it was, you know, I just, in the 90s to get in there it was it yeah. was pretty nuts but yeah 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 you're right yeah but but you know that's a good point like that one right there like my percentage for senior and my special duty uh it was 43 eligible and they only selected one so you know that's like less you know, I'm not, I'm not public math but it's like less than two percent I think I don't know whatever that is right like point zero <laughs> yeah, zero yeah, yeah. one so if you look at that number and someone's gonna say there's no way you can get promoted there's like a less than two percent you know and then you look at it it's like and then I think um a, a good a good just mantra you should have is why not me you know even if it's just one why not me and if and yeah. you can identify a couple of reasons why not you work on those things. You know, you know, like work on those things. Uh, cause I sleep too late. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well then wake and, up, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or don't, you know, or yeah. don't just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, who, uh, the rocks mantra is, uh, what is it? The hardest, the hardest worker in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a simple thing that, you know, if, if you practiced on a day to day and that was really your, your philosophy to live by. Yeah. Man, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna reach a lot of milestones with with that. Um, yeah, I to me, hard work is eighty percent of it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have there's emotion emotional intelligence in there. Right, right. You can work real hard, you, but if you're emotionally yeah. an idiot, you're probably gonna have yeah. to live with it. If you're just not, if you're a jerk, but yeah. you're a hard worker, it, that's only gonna get you so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you don't need to be the smartest guy in the room, and and ultimately, I think you can you can. Uh, Going back to his point, you can do almost anything with, with just a little bit of hard work. Yeah. So that's a good one. Number five, be careful what you choose. You may get it. That sounds like a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> it could be in Proverbs. I'm pretty sure that was yeah, a Proverbs. It probably is definitely Proverbs. It's probably, it's probably right out of Proverbs. Uh, he said, some bad choices can be corrected. Some you'll be stuck with. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or some of you'll have to, you'll be stuck with for at least a long time before you can uh you know resolve some of those consequences. But I, I was yeah. trying to think, I was trying to think of like a story or like a something where I could attribute this mm. this one to. Yeah. Uh I, I think what comes to mind for me is when I'm impatient, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to do this, I'm gonna do it, and I mm-hmm. and I and I just I get so infatuated with doing it because I want it done and I want it done now. And then it gets done and it's not the way that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to, it's hard to tie a specific to this one though. You know, I I think about some things too, like, you know, we talk about work-life harmony a lot, you know, and some people are so invested and they want that thing. I choose this promotion and that's all I care about right now. And they sacrifice a lot of things and you get the promotion, you may get it but at what cost, you know, and you, and you think about, so I, when I think when he says, be careful what you choose, you may get it, you know, you, you got to think about, there's, it's just a lot of things we can correlate this to, but that's one that kind of pops out to me is like, Hey, be careful, like make sure you're deliberate. And even in that last example, we kind of talked about was like work hard. Well, yeah, but make sure you work hard at the right stuff. You know, you can be working hard at hitting your head against the wall, like over and over again, and you, yeah. get, you get the best headbutt ever, but what's that going to do for you? You know, make sure you uh, choose the you, right things. You're a UFC championship. <laughs> there you a UFC all-star. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but so like maybe, so maybe that's a, that's a good point to bring up is, Mm -hmm. is why, why are you reaching for this? Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a good way to frame this thing is, Mm -hmm. is figuring out the why let's say, Oh, I want to be a chief. Well, why? Oh, cause I want to make, I want to make more money. Well, I'm going to tell you, tell you what, dude, (laughs) like that. Maybe, maybe that's not the right reason. Yeah. Right. And that's not, not because cheap doesn't make cheap, doesn't make a ton of money. They make okay money, I think, 
Yeah. But but what's asked of you? Yeah, it's not it's, it's or, not congruent. That money? <laughs> it's not it's congruent. Not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I think there's easier jobs. Yeah. You can make more money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I think the why you know is is a good is a good point to mm-hmm. to look into and really analyze of what you're what you're asking for, right? Because once you're in it, man, you're going to be held accountable to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's an interesting one. Yeah. All right. Number six, Hmm. don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. Right. And then Powell kind of goes on to talk about that great leadership is, is really comes down to superb instinct or in other words, trusting your gut, Hmm. man. I love this one. Yeah. Cause my gut tells me a lot of things. And sometimes it's like, it's not the popular, it's not the yeah. popular thing to do. Yeah. And I, and I'll tell you, trusting my gut works out about 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and other times it just doesn't just because maybe I, I was, I was too, too, uh, too fast to make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I was hasty. And making that decision, what 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 comes to mind when you think of this thing? You know, it's so funny because we've had some amazing people on the podcast, and I've talked to them, and they're very much in that neuroscientist realm, and they talk about trusting your gut is actually not a good thing. Is it mm-hmm. because because we're oftentimes wrong? You know, we're, we're influenced by so many things. But my, I don't know if it's just my own personal experience, you know, I found that most of the time it seems like it works out well. Now all of us make stupid decisions, you know, in in our lives. And, and like you said, we might be just too fast, but on a big decisions, um, I found that, you know, more times than not going with my instinct, when I didn't go with my gut or what I would say more like your, your instinct or, um, there's tons of other words for it. Right. You know, when intuition. I yeah, intuition, I didn't go with it and it didn't work out. And I did go with it and it did, you know, and that might be selective memory here, <laughs> right. And, and our own ego trying to like, like show that, you know, uh, like kind of playing, but I think intuition, that's not just like some magic thing that your gut's just telling you to do it. I think there's a lot there. It's just my personal opinion. You know, the, the bro science behind it, I think is there's a lot of experience, wisdom, perspective, as well as some, even some genetic stuff that, you know, the protective stuff that goes on where I think that, you know, our, our, our intuition is there to protect us and, and help us make the right decisions. And when, and when you just constantly go against your own, intuition i don't see the best results yeah i um when you say intuition it reminds me of (laughs) it reminds me of my man compass (laughs) your man compass because my wife's like how do you know where the car is i'm like i don't know i just remember it's that way (laughs) oh well i would say mine mine needs calibration because <laughs> I, I need to take pictures of, of the parking area. <laughs> you you know, put a, a sensor pin. on the car. Yeah, drop a pin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh so going back to General Powell's uh don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. So one of the things in, in, a, in a separate article, and this was actually regarding emotional intelligence is um, one of his rules of thumb was 40, the 40-70 rule. Are you familiar with this one? Mm-mm. Where you shouldn't make a decision with any less than 40% mm. of a situation, yeah. Yeah. and you don't need any more than 70% yeah. of a situation of the data to make a really, really good decision. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, that's kind of been one that's always in my back pocket um, because the dangers of having too much data is mm-hmm. – uh, I always mess this one up. Is uh, was it par- analysis by par- paralysis yeah. by analysis? Yeah, right, yeah, like yeah. you're just like oh, I don't want to make a decision, and there's just yeah. so much data that you, yeah. you you just now left yourself overwhelmed. You know, yeah. you know, and then if you just you're just going on straight gut and you don't have any data in front of you, mm-hmm. maybe you, maybe you probably make a bad decision. Yeah, because yeah. You're not going to have any of the yeah. data. So yeah. I, as much as I love to trust my gut, yeah. I think I owe it right some due diligence to yeah. say, okay, well, let's 
let's figure out what some of the details are. <laughs> I've, I've had four beers. I think I can make a good decision on this. I, I read, I read the paragraph. I know what's up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen this happen. Yeah. I saw this on yeah. YouTube. I got this. Done. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think you're right. Cause if you go over, if you're waiting, that's the thing like me as, um, what I would say when it comes to those uh, via character strength is like critical thinking. Well, I do get the paralysis through analysis, you know, and there's never enough data to make the decision, you know? And I think as Stephen Pressfield said, you know, if you wait forever, you're never going to do it. So, you know, you're waiting for the data, you're waiting for everything to be, per- the conditions to be perfect. You're just never going to do it. So you just need to send it at some point. Yeah. You're going to send it. You got to send it. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. All right. Number seven. You can't make someone else's choices. You shouldn't let someone else make yours. Mm. Yeah. So he said, all too often, your decision affects them and they're pushing you in a direction that's more in their interest than yours. Hmm. This sounds like um, yeah. um, Game of Thrones or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, like this, you got, you got your, the king's advisors. And, yeah. And uh, they're like, no. You can't make someone you should. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think it's true. Right. And I, I'm probably um, analyzing this incorrectly, but something that I think of in just in general leadership, right? There's many times, how many times you like, you came after another leadership team and you're like, why did they do that? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, why did they do that? And then I, I catch myself now and I realize, you know, and um, Dan Guzman told me this. You know, he said the, probably the best. He said it was their turn to lead. You know, it was their turn to lead. So for you to judge what they did without being in the circumstances that they were in from afar, you know, that's the same as you standing outside the arena criticizing, you know, and How I dare think you. that for me, yeah, for me, I, I try to stop. You know, because I think it's a natural human instinct. Be like, why is this so messed up? Like, what this is the dumbest thing ever? Yeah, it's a yeah. dumb. You know, but when you you weren't there, you have not, no idea. And even if you get all the data. And you still disagree. It was their turn to lead, mm-hmm. you know. And now it's yours, but it was theirs then. So um, live with it and 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 improve upon whatever's going on. So I think you know you can't make someone else's choices. You definitely couldn't, and you shouldn't. You know, let someone else make yours. You shouldn't let people, other people, influence yours too. You know. You know. So for me, what comes to mind is, you know, you come. You know, as you as you go through this adult life man, you come through, you come to a lot of fork in the roads Mm -hmm. and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Mm. And then, so what do I do is I go to people that I respect. I go to people that uh, my mentors and I go to, you know, uh, your pastor and Mm. you you go to your parents, you go to all these people and they just tell you their advice. Yeah. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're not going to make the decision for you. Mm -hmm. And, and even if this person has lived a hundred lives, they still can't make the best decision that's for you. Yeah. You know, and um, maybe that this, this is what this is getting at, but this is what I'm taking from it. No one, no one can, no one can give you the magic pill and say, man, this is, here's the right answer. All you got to do. No, it's not that it's, it's, you have to make the decision. And we're not sure what's on the other side of that door. Right. You have to live it and you have to experience it. And sometimes you're going to make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me of this one uh, time I was walking to one of my shops and they were talking finances. And then uh, one of the guys, he just looked like his head was spinning. And I was like, yeah, I mean, no one could really tell you where you should invest your money or do certain things. I mean, you just need to get educated and, you know, make the decision for yourself because no one else is going to have to pay the ramifications of making that decision, but you. And he was like, but I just want you to tell me exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like doing my, doing my kids math homework where I'm trying to teach him why the answer is he's like, so it's seven, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Seven. But can we know we have, we have to understand why it's seven? He's like, I want to play video games. So it's seven, right? Yeah, this is seven. I'll just put seven down. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on. Uh, number eight, check small things. Uh, this one talks about, uh, he goes on and expands a little bit by saying leaders have to have a feeling for small things, a feel for what is going on in the depths of an organization where small things reside. 
I feel conflicted about this one. Okay. So I've heard this, this kind of before, you know, and I feel like, and if I know all the details about your organization, yeah, uh, I have a tough time um, managing all of that data. So I, I try and stay out of all of the details. I feel like I, I just want to know what the big rocks are. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm analyzing this one incorrectly. I, I, yeah, I don't. I, I can see what you're saying though, because it's like it, it could come off as you're thinking like, do I need to micromanage all the little finite details of every little thing? And I'm like, I kind of think he's saying more like you should identify some of those small indicators too. Like, don't just ignore those minor indicators that something might not be going right. You know, mm-hmm. like to, to, that might be leading, you know, whether it's a cultural issue that you see something, one thing going on and another thing going on, then you realize, oh, there's a big problem here with our culture. You know what I mean? And that could be something as small as somebody let somebody say something that's not respectful and it could be going down to continuum of harm and you don't really realize it. You know what I mean? And then you kind of let it go. And the next thing you know, it, it goes down that path. And a lot of times you can kind of see some of those little things because a lot of times the devil is in the details on some of those things. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I've discovered too, like you, you like from, a from just a, a, a preventive maintenance or a maintenance background, like just going to look at people working on stuff and you see some lack of uh, attention to detail on some things. Well, there's probably, you peel back the onion a little bit more and there's a lot more, you know what I mean? Okay. All right. So let's, let's play this out then. Let's Uh play this out. Right. You're, you're the chief of the CE, right? This is theoretical, right? You're the chief of the CE squadron. Uh, And then you go to the work center, right? Mm -hmm. Work center X. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a mess, right? Yeah. Things are kind of all over the place. Somebody's somebody's boot, someone's right boot isn't isn't <laughs> yeah. laced up the yeah. right way. Some two the spit bottles everywhere. Yeah, there's a spit <laughs> bottle. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Not that's never well, happened, of course. I'm not <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, is that a small thing? Is I, are those small indicators? I think that um, for me, I think that the point I was trying to make was when you see some of those things and a lack of attention to detail or lack of care um, on those things, that it could be an indicator of a lack of care on other things. Like it's not always a causal, you know, a spit bottle here doesn't mean they're going to have crappy maintenance practices on the equipment necessarily, but Mm -hmm. it might be something you want to look at. You know, because if they have a lack of attention detail in one place, they might have a lack of attention detail in other places. So if you see um, a couple of things, just the adherence to standards are really slipping somewhere. Um, there might be a general lack of adherence to standards across, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that's kind of something that we grew up in. Like, hey, if you could fold this socks really good, <laughs> and this T-shirt really well, then it probably should translate to attention detail elsewhere, you know. And I don't know if that's 100 percent true all the time, but I would say that it could be generally a good thing to to keep in mind you know small things sometimes lead to big things yeah i I can get on board with that small things uh the attention to detail does impact uh the the greater mission and so yeah i can definitely get on board with that one all right so number nine this is probably one of my favorites uh share credit right and he goes on to say let all employees believe they were the ones who did it i love that i love that piece and he goes on to say, uh, adding that people need recognition and a sense of worth as much as they need food and water. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of my favorite basketball coaches, Greg Popovich, he said something. It's not super original, but it's, it's definitely the truth. He takes all the glory and all the blame for everything that happens with the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. Right. When they suck and currently they're not great. Uh, well, it's a new season, so we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. But yeah. uh, last year they were terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> he takes all the credit for that, you know. Uh, yeah. And and then and then I think when they do great, it's it's actually not. He doesn't get any mm-hmm. for that, you know. He doesn't get any credit for that, and he doesn't even bother to take the credit for it. It's the players that that get the the credit and not not the coaching. So. Um, I think sharing credit as a leader um, is probably one of the most significant things that you can do to earn trust in your organization. Mm -hmm. You can earn trust and influence with uh, the people that work for you. So one of my favorites by far, for sure. 
Um, the recognition piece. Yeah. I think, mm -hmm. I think people crave it, you yeah. know, I, you know, I think, um, how many times have you done a report and I'm talking to everybody, how many times have your boss asked you for a report? And this is something that just happens periodically, whether it's monthly or weekly and no one ever looks at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like, why are we doing this? I don't know. It's just what you're supposed to do this. Nobody's recognizing your efforts to do this yeah. dumb report, whether it takes five minutes or an hour, you know what I mean? So I think that's very, that has so much truth to it. Um, and, and, uh, another, another nugget that I would definitely put in my toolbox. Yeah. I think that recognition is such a huge thing. And that's my, uh, part of my leadership philosophy. It's uh serve, recognize and improve and recognition is just like discipline for some people, like how to discipline people. Um, I think it's different for different people. Right. And I think that oftentimes we don't spend enough time learning about our subordinates and how they prefer to, to be recognized. Cause not everybody wants an award. Maybe some people want a verbal praise. Maybe some people want you know, a, a story on them by PA so they can share with their family, you know, I mean, whatever it could be, there's a, there's so many different things that are out there that are available. And we just, I think we, we try to do a, a one size fits all when it comes to recognition. Oftentimes, I think sharing credit is important. I think that's just part of leadership. I mean, you don't, if you're a leader, you're not doing anything on your own. So you need to give people credit, you know, that they deserve for whatever that, you know, that significant accomplishment is because in life we don't accomplish anything significant on our own. You know, it could be as minor task, but it's got to be shared with a lot of people. And, and I think part of leadership is also recognizing what they did to contribute and not just tell them, good job, keep it up, like actually be deliberate and intentional about identifying what the people did and ensuring that the people that did the good things are recognized for it. And the people that were just participating along the whole time don't get the same type of recognition, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean there, it's just, there's a lot of layers to it, but I think it's all very important in sharing that credit, but sharing the credit doesn't have to be equal if it wasn't equally earned. Right. Yeah. But to me, this is, this is leadership one-on-one, right? Right. Uh, like, like, honestly, I was explaining this to my wife the other day mm. uh, about what leaders do, and we were talking about taskers and, and she was asking, she's like, well, why, why do you get last minute taskers? And then why does that mean that the person that's getting that last minute tasker has to kind of, kind of jump through hoops to get this yeah. thing done. And like, yeah. who, she's like, who gives the taskers? I'm like, well, the managers give the taskers. Yeah. And she's like, well, why don't the managers do, just do the taskers? And I'm like, because the managers don't know how to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> True. The managers, the managers just manage the tasker. They don't do the work. They don't even, they, they have to pull the data from, from their workers yeah. to get this tasker done so yeah. that they can give it to their boss. Right. Yeah. So it's just an interesting dynamic. And, and, and so the, the leader doesn't know how to pull that data, right. Yeah. They don't know how to compile it and yeah. they don't know how to put it together. And, and so that's what the, subordinate does so well. And if my point is, if that leader just takes credit, like here's all the data boss, I got it all presented. Here it is mm -hmm. all pretty, even though that leader didn't do any of the heavy lifting. Right. You know? So I think that's it. So the way that that leader makes the world better <laughs> is say, no, 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 this was, this was Joe that did all this work. I'm just kind of facilitating this thing. I'm just I'm inspiring and motivating the people that are pushing the buttons. Mm -hmm. And that that's what the job of the leader is, right? Yeah. Like, come on, you can do it. Press, you know, press yeah. your keyboard, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, if, if you're just taking all the credit for it, man, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a recipe for disaster. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, this one kind of goes back to really the essence of general pal. Yeah. Uh, number 10 is remain calm and be kind. Mm -hmm. Powell writes, in the heat of battle, whether military or corporate, kindness like calmness reassures followers and holds their confidence. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And I think that a lot of times not even I mean, we talked about being calm right earlier, but I think. The, the kindness piece, I don't think people oftentimes tie that to leadership. And I think it's very much a part of leadership, being kind, being generous. Are you kind, Joe? Uh, you I, I, like like you're to, kind? I like to think I'm kind. I mean, some people yeah. might disagree with me, but I, I try to be kind, you know, it's like yeah. um, because I think that there's a, even when you're holding people accountable, 
you can also show them grace at the same time. They're, they're not yeah. two completely opposed concepts. You know, you, they can live in the same space. And I think it's very important to do that. And I think um, when, when you're holding people accountable and maybe even issuing discipline on them, administering some discipline on them, um, a lot of times we don't think about the next step of taking care of them still and helping them rehabilitate. We think that that disciplinary action, whether that piece of paper is just going to remedy everything. It's like, no, there's a, there's a part where you care about them and you take care of them and you teach them how to turn it around around you know yeah and yeah. i think that's that be kind part yeah i think we uh we often talk about leadership traits and you know you, you should be succinct you should be you know decisive and um you should learn how to manage but kind seems to be left off of the the formula yeah uh, a, a lot of the times uh, i don't remember I don't remember a whole lot. You know, I've been through a lot of leadership training, but I don't remember a, a whole lot about the kindness, kindness, training. kindness, training. kindness <laughs> training. This, 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 this be nice. Let's be nice. But you know, this kind of just is, it's a part of, of, of just being a good human being. Right. You know? uh, um, I love what you I said think, there. Yeah. You know, I think we forget before that we're leaders, we're good human beings mm-hmm. and let's just start there. Let's just be a good human being. Yeah. And then, and then maybe you'll find yourself in a leadership capacity where you can help others. Yeah. Uh, that'll just help you be that much better. You know, like us, uh, you and I being men, you know, I think growing up, I had this idea of what a man was supposed to be and that they should take on burdens and do this and that, and be, you know, be strong. Uh, but, you know, kind wasn't one of the things that I remember thinking to myself mm-hmm. being yeah. kind and generous. But now that I see the world a little bit more through adult eyes, I do think about that. I was like, no, kindness and generosity are absolutely components of being a good man. You know, yeah. I think that's part of that. So I consider that quite a bit in how I behave around other people, whether it's on duty or off duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's important. I think, I think, you know, it's a, a counterpoint and not necessarily a counterpoint, but mm-hmm. what, what is hard about being kind mm-hmm. is, you know, sometimes the world is mean. Yeah. You know, and uh, people take advantage of it. (laughs) Yeah, people take advantage of of kinds of of your kindness. And then sometimes you have to, you feel like you have to put on this facade where, well, I'm just going to act mean because then then no one's going to try and take advantage of me because they they know better, right? Yeah. And and I think that is a a something you got to be cautious of. Yeah. Cause that could change you. That could change your personality. I think we could talk about this for another 45 minutes. I know, but, right. Yeah. Yeah. You start building up walls to protect yourself and you end up in a yeah. prison, you know, you end up exactly. in a prison. So yeah. 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 That's a good one, man. That was a good combo on that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Number 11, have a vision and be demanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he says great leaders inspire every follower at every level to internalize their purpose and to understand that their purpose goes far beyond the mere details of their job. I think we've heard this, uh, you know, from almost every every chief master sergeant of the Air Force to say, hey, to, to the senior enlisted leaders, you got to teach your airmen that what they do is just far bigger than, than what they understand. And, and when you do that, you really, really, uh, you, you tap into uh, to some inspired airmen. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that we lack across the senior leadership force, specifically senior enlisted leadership, I think is, um, unfortunately, I just feel like we could do a better job of understanding the mission ourselves. You know what I mean? Cause it's hard to communicate a purpose in the mission and the mission sets that you're, you're a part of and to be able to establish that vision for your people. If you don't fully comprehend what you're doing, like, why am I coming to work and making donuts all day? You know what I mean? Like uh, this is a nine to five to me or whatever it is. And I think that we have to spend a little bit more time understanding that because it's hard to explain to other people what their purpose is in the mission. If you don't fully comprehend the mission yourself. Right. Um, I've seen even like even um, just something as simple as illicit force structure. I don't know how many senior NCOs have told me or NCOs have told me that their senior NCOs tell them just go to go to do this because the book says so. You know what I mean? They don't tell them that's why. Just, yeah. and, and that's the worst. And I, I, I've, I've had that a handful of times, a dozen times, half a dozen times. Yeah. 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 
So if you tell um, people, it says you should go join professional orgs, but you don't tell them the why, a lot of times that person just sits in the meeting, <laughs> checks the block. They're like, why are you thing. here? My supervisor told me to be Yeah, absolutely. That's the only reason I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you I know get a good EPR. <laughs> what's interesting about this, this rule here is that he says, have a vision and be mm-hmm. demanding. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, I think having a vision, most people can get around that. Most people can get behind that. And it's like, yeah, I, I, this is where I want to go. Yeah. Um, but to to actually drive that ship to that vision, mm-hmm. you got to be, you got to be in control. You got yeah. to be in command of this thing. Yeah. And you got to demand for it. You cannot accept uh mediocrity. Um, mm-hmm. and then you have to recognize mediocrity when you see it. Mm-hmm. And then so you can bring over your subordinate and say, listen, right here, what we did, this is no go right. Here's yeah. what we got to get to. Uh, I think having that vision and demanding it, when we talk about leadership, yeah. that is the critical part in this. And that's what I, I really dig that. Um, that one's a, that one's one that I'll definitely apply um, to my toolbox for sure. You ever had like those, uh, I don't know, like I've seen organizations have these strategic planning days and everybody comes up with all these goals to help, you know, meet the mission and all that stuff. And then they spend a whole day doing it and then nothing comes from it because they never follow oh, yeah. up yeah. and never yeah. talk about it again. So yeah. like, we just had one and we already set the calendar for the ne- uh, 90 day checkup, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. a 180 day checkup. But 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 so many times I've sat in those and it's like, whatever happened at all those things we came up with, man, we don't mm-hmm. talk about it anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's even harder to do where you're at because of the yeah. changeover of personnel and the team dynamics and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a, just a whole nother challenge to, to figure out, but yeah, this is, this is a good one. I think for our listeners, this is one to definitely dig into and really understand. Number 12, don't take counsel of your fears or naysayers. We kind of talked about this one a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about the haters and, and, and how they can drive your decisions. But we, we haven't really touched on fear. What, what comes to mind when you think about this one, Joe? I think a lot of things that we fear come from somewhere, right? It comes from our growth or, you know, how we were brought up or some of the experiences we had and everything else. And I think it leads to self-limiting beliefs that we talked about a little bit earlier. And I think that fear is there for a reason. It's there to protect us, but sometimes it's an instinct, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And we shouldn't, you know, we should be afraid of that lion that's running at us, you know what I mean? Whatever it might be, but, but sometimes we, uh, we attach it to other things. And, and a lot of times that fear lives in looking bad or stepping outside your comfort zone and failing and, and, you know, taking counsel of those fears will lead to a life of mediocrity and you never knowing what your, what your full potential could have been. Because of regret so even yeah absolutely yeah. and even worse than that you might not even regret because you had no idea <laughs> you're like just mm-hmm. completely like you know you don't even know like you you were put on this earth to do so much more and you will never know what it was because you're so afraid to try something you know so mm-hmm. i think it's yeah. important to, to to do that and you have to have good counsel around you some people that will i mean i didn't want to do my special duty it was totally not inside my my swing zone whatsoever <laughs> right and then i had a mentor that basically forced me to go out there strong me and told me to go do it and it was the best decision in my, in my career mm-hmm. yeah you know, when I think about this one too, you know, General Powell is a soldier, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So when you think of fear, you know, to the extreme example, you think of uh, someone who's in a, in a fight, you know, yeah. in a war, you know, yeah. and um, you think of you know, the coward that's in uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. you know, the, that character. And I think that's a great example is like, Man, if you just let your fears paralyze you, yeah, you just turn into a coward. Yeah, you know, you just turn into this person that it's, it's a shell of yourself. It's not exactly who you should be. It's not what you were meant to be, and and you're just stuck in this in this cave because you're afraid to you're afraid of the world. And um, yeah, that's a that's a that's a rough spot to be in. 
Remember that Goggins uh, was, he was talking about, I think it was in his book, but it might've been. I love Goggins. Yeah. I love Goggins, man. What were you talking about? The worst thing for him could be like, he's sitting at heaven's gate and then they have like this long list of his accomplishments. He's looking at it. like, I didn't do any of that. And he was like, yeah, that was what you should have done. <laughs> That's uh, what you were supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Oh. I haven't heard him. I haven't heard him tell that story. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> those are things you were supposed to That's rough, to do. man. Yeah. That's rough. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that's it. So maybe I didn't even think about all that when I, when I saw that one. So that's, that was good. Good dialogue. Um, yeah. I'll have to probably take a deeper look at that one because I, I, I'm sure I'm afraid of things, but you know, it, it almost feels like I tell myself I'm not. And, and, mm. you know, and, and so if I don't understand what those fears are, how can I, how can I really understand uh, myself? So yeah, yeah. something, something to, What's that saying? Uh, if your goals don't scare you a little bit, they're probably not big enough. Mm, you know? yeah. 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 I, I was, I was telling this to my 13 year old son. I'm like, dude, yeah. do you ever, do you ever wonder like how far you could run? He's like, no, not, not ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe, maybe you're too young for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right we are on rule 13 we are on rule 13 and uh this one's a good one we'll end on a, on a high note mm-hmm. perpetual optimism is a force multiplier mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean I this I like is just one. straight truth right here i think you know when i go into a room when it's specifically meetings where i, I understand that something's going to piss me off I know it. So I'm like, all right, dude, this is your opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is your opportunity to yeah. stay even killed because what they're going to do, right. <laughs> if you're sitting, if you're sitting on that, on that seat by the commander, yeah. everyone's going to look at you. Yeah. Right. So if you flip out, they're going to flip out. Yeah. Right. So the first goal is stay, stay cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't say anything. Listen to the facts, mm-hmm. listen to the scenario. So that when you do speak, it's going to be something that you can be, you can stand on, right? It's going to be yeah. something that's in line with your values. Yeah. That's step one. Step two is if you can take this thing and be optimistic about it yeah. and get your followers to get behind it, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's icing on the cake for me. Yeah. I love that. Like, but I think it starts off with what you just said. It is, this is an opportunity. You know, and a lot of times people don't see it that way. We don't see it that way in, in general. It's like many times I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do that. And they're like, all right, this is an opportunity for something. What is it? Oh, it's maybe mm-hmm. just for me to so sh- show some resolve, you know, to be able to get through this uh-huh. um, or, or, or an opportunity <laughs> to learn something from it. You know, there's a lot of that. So I was, I will admit though, I've had that conversation. I've had yeah. that self-talk. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like maybe because my office wasn't connected to the commander's office yeah, yeah. or the to the conference room. And, and yeah. I give my my self talk on the way to that room. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's your opportunity. Right. Hold it together. Yeah. You know, show some yeah. show some flipping poise. <laughs> to, you know, act like you've been there before. And it goes. And, left. Then, the news, <laughs> and then the news gets delivered and I lose it. <laughs> yeah. You still lose it. Hey, that's called just being human, man. We, you, you, still do. you had the right intent, you know, going there. You got to give yourself some grace. <laughs> Yeah. You you know, this optimism though, I think that one thing though, people take optimism and they automatically think about being like Pollyannish and everything's going to be all right all the time. That's the one thing I think we need to really, I don't think that General Powell was talking about just unicorns and rainbows, right? He was (laughs) was talking about, you know, true optimism, being able to focus on what you can control about the situation to help get to whatever your goal is, you know? And when you do that, um, just like we talked about earlier, was like telling people, no, there's a lot of things we can't, we can pretty much do anything, but why should we not do certain things? You know, like working in that realm of space, I think it will help your your teams, you know, get to their fullest potential, reach that potential, um, understanding that, you know, it's not always about just, you know, finding that silver lining. It's like, okay, what can we, we always have something we can influence here. What is that? Right. And, and that's like yeah. true optimism. So and when you actually just constantly live in that world, it will be a force multiplier because people are going to come up with better ideas to get to whatever it is, you know? 
Yeah. Um, instead of always coming up, but we can't do that. I mean, I've seen entire flights. No, they're, they're automatic. Like they talk, mm-hmm. I, I, I told my boss, I was like, have you noticed that flight? So-and-so that flight is always arguing, can't. complaining, can't, can't you do know? It. Yeah. They're always finding a way not to do something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how it's, it's just a terrible and it just totally is a cancer for that entire team. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a really good point though. Cause I, you know, you should do, you should do a human experiment and you just mm-hmm. pull that leader, yeah. collect that leader from that section. Like mm-hmm. we're going to move you over here mm-hmm. and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. See if this culture of no changes. Yep. If we put somebody in there, who's optimistic. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause I've told, I've told many leaders that, Hey, if you're always going to agree with me or you're always going to say no, either way, I don't need you at the meeting table anymore. Cause I already know what mm-hmm. you're going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just totally yeah. uh, gave up your, uh, your influence, you know? Right. So dang Joe, we got through all 13 of his rules. I think, um, you know, I learned just as much talking to you about them than I did when I was researching some of these. And I'm glad we were able to make this dedication show. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I learned a ton. Yeah. Truly deserving. And, um, you know, God bless his family and and just super grateful for everything that General Powell did for us. And I'm really grateful that you put this together, Z. And I learned just as much from you, bro. This was a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to. Before we close, I just wanted to, you know, do a couple of things. First, uh, give give a, a really good, memorable quote that um, General Powell says. He said, success is the result of perfection, hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you had to sum up all 13 rules, it's probably in that small sentence right there. Um, so I, I really... Uh, really am inspired by, you know, his leadership and uh, I'm sure he'll inspire generations to come. Uh, Do a special shout out to our sponsor, Blazing Star Barbecue. They've got some amazing rubs and sauces. You can check them out on blazingstarbarbecue.com. All right, Joe, that's the show, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just starting your Starting your day in Korea, go, yep. go do some golfing. Yep, I'm going to go hit some screen golf in a little bit, man. But love catching right. up with you, and we got to do it again soon. Right on. This is Yolama Crew signing off. Cheers to you and yours. Here's to getting better every day. See you next time. Llama's out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.